Hello and welcome back to Talk and Fight, Fox and fans around the world. Thank you for joining us once again. Another episode of Knuckle Up featuring Mike Orr at War and Cedric Van, who's in the den with us today. And today we've got a super special guest coming in from us who's over in the UK right now across the pond uh, waiting to join us. So go ahead, Mike, introduce our special guest and let's get rock and rolling. Yes, today we have Hannah Rankin, current IBO and WBA light middleweight champion, is in the house today. And we're going to talk to yeah. her about her uh, wonderful career, how she got started in it. And remember, Cedric, bassoon, a bassoonist. You want to know what this is yes. about. Yes. So we're definitely yes. going to talk to her about this and how she uh, achieved that wonderful uh, you know, degree in, 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 in music and, uh, yeah. and how she talks at the same time. So, yes, without further ado, let's get her in here. Graham, sorry, we're going to knock you out. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> we'll, we'll see you later. Hi, guys. Hello. Hey, Anna, how are you? I'm doing very well, thanks. Thank you for taking the time out to come and join us here on uh, Knuckle Up. Uh, I know you're very busy. Uh, camp's about to start for you, and uh, you're in the gym all the time. So uh, let's just get right into it. Um, what age did you start boxing, and what made you start competing? So I actually started boxing really late. Um, I was uh, When I was a child, I did taekwondo. So I had uh, an introduction to combat sports when I was quite young. Did taekwondo, me and my sister. Um, I like I always say, I think my mom did it to stop us fighting at home, you know? So she was like, <laughs> you go and have organized fighting elsewhere. <laughs> so, um, so I've always loved combat sports, but I didn't actually get back into them until the end of my undergraduate when I was like, right, I've got to get fit. And the normal sort of gym setup, but you say it's so boring. I was like, I like the treadmill, I like the road machine. And I'm leaving. Uh, so <laughs> so uh, I was like, I'll get back into some sort of combat sport. And um, I started doing some Thai boxing in Glasgow. Um, and then when I moved to London to do my master's, I so I was in 20, 21, 22 at this time, 22. Um, and I, I started doing some Thai boxing down here. Then I met my coach, Noel Callan, and also a former heavyweight champ, uh, Derek Sweet D. Williams. Um, I met him as well. They both introduced me to boxing and I fell in love with it. Absolutely fell in love with it. Um, so I was just doing it for fitness and really enjoying it. And then I was doing sparring. And then, of course, went to the next step. So did some white collar boxing, which is a sort of charity boxing here where right. you can do three two minute rounds and raise money for charity. You know, like right. bankers and, you know, businessmen, they'll give it a go. And I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got into that and then I wanted to take it to the next step. And my coach um, said, well, you can join an amateur club and then you can compete with them. And I was like, well, can I still train with you? And he's like, no, I'm not an amateur coach. And so I was like, well, throughout my whole life, if things have been working with teachers that I've worked with, then I stay with them. So I was like, well, I want to stay with you. So how do I stay with you and compete? Um, and he was like, well, we could go professional, but we'd have to see how you do with some sparring and, you know, see, see if you're really up for it sort of thing. Um, so he took me sparring with, uh, at the time, it was Kelly Morgan. She was a WBC silver champion, middleweight. Wow. And she, she used to be a javelin thrower. So she had a right hand from God. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, I remember this clearly in sparring. Um, first time I'd ever been in with a, a professional. And, and it was like an eye-opening experience for me because I was like, wow, these yes. people can punch hard. They're explosive. Yes. 
But, you know, and I definitely got my ass whooped. Absolutely. <laughs> this wasn't the first time you sparred, but this is the first time you sparred someone on, like, a different oh, level. On level. Yeah, on a pro level. I was like, yeah. ooh, there's some more stuff to this. Like, you know, yeah. it's going to be a few more things we're going to learn. But, you know, I got out and um, I was like, right, no, when are we coming back? I want to do more of this, this, and this. And he always says that it was that sort of, like, curiosity and, like, determination to always be better that he decided that he was like, right, I'll take you, I'll take you pro. Let's go. Let's do it. Um, and everyone thought I was nuts, you know, like I'm, <laughs> I'm so yeah. zero, zero amateur experience. You just went yeah. right to pro. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was like, I've always been like that with things that I want to do. Um, if I really enjoy something and I want to see how far I can take it, I'll go 150%, you know, like all, all out. Um, if I love it, that's what I do. And you know, you never know where you're going to end up. So you might as well give it your best. And actually right. for me, it's, I just found something that, I truly love and thankfully I've excelled and learned a lot along the way. So yeah, it's been good. Right. Right. Definitely, definitely. Your, your current record right now is, uh, I believe it's 11, five and two uh, with two knockouts, right? Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so can you describe your first pro fight? Like the, <laughs> the, feel, the feeling that you went through? I know I know it was a win. I know you won your first two. It was your yeah. third fight was your first loss. Uh, describe us the first, the, the feeling that uh, you went through in that first fight. I remember it being mental. I remember thinking, I can't believe I'm doing this. Like, <laughs> I can't believe I'm doing this. And like, you know, you've had all the, the prep in, in the lead up to it. Um, I had my hair braided properly for the first time. And, I, you know, I was just like, I wasn't going to wear a head guard. I was really happy about this because I hate wearing a head guard. Yeah. Um, so this was the best part. I was getting little gloves. I was like, oh, these feel great. And my coach yeah. was like, yeah, but don't forget, your opponent gets little gloves too. You know, so <laughs> not just you. Um, and I remember we were, it was in this like old nightclub in um, South End, like East East London, outside London. And um, I had to walk through the kitchen to get to the ring. You know, it's one of these <laughs> tiny little shows. And I remember walking past these pots and pans and ladles, and I was like, "This is surreal." Then I went out and like kicked butt for six rounds. You know, so I was just like, "It's mad." And um, I remember it just being really, really crazy. And, and for me, I'd had like three or four um, disappointments in the lead up to that, where I thought I was going to fight, then I wasn't fighting, and I thought I was going to fight. So I just couldn't actually wait to get in there. And I can't really tell you a single minute of what happened when I was in that ring. <laughs> All I remember <laughs> was my arm getting raised and me thinking, oh, it's, I've started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So yeah. now that, that you've went through that experience, can you say, and, um, would you say you have a little bit more of a uh, you're more comfortable in your in your training camp routine like you know, like you know what's going to happen like you're more calm and that just comes with the experience right so do you obviously you feel more comfortable when you're training absolutely like i think you you like they always say you can't buy experience and it's yeah. so true it's one of those things you just have to get out and do it and learn on the job and learn how things are going and obviously having not had an extensive amateur background in any way i hadn't actually box like live i hadn't actually competed that many times i'd only done like six or seven white collar fights so you know for me to start going into the pro game it i was going in there quite blind so i've always been learning on the job which has been great in some ways because i've, I've actually been able to adapt and change every time i get in the ring i'm a slightly different improved fighter mm. um, instead of coming into it with a ready-built style, style that i already know um so I'm, I'm always growing as a fighter which is great but also, it does mean you've got like the shit parts where you've got to learn quite a lot very quick. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Did your coach ever explain to you the reason why um, 
because there's there's some coaches I know some coaches that that do coach amateur boxers and professional boxers and yeah. there also there's some coaches that only do one or the other did your did your coach ever explain to you the reason why he didn't want to he just wanted to go right to right to the pro and not to uh, he tried to get me to go to an amateur club, as he always says. I tried to get rid of her, but she wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> so, um, no, he he actually got his pro license to take me professional. Uh, he, before that, he, he hadn't taken anyone pro, and he'd been working with boxers. He'd been doing a lot of their strength and conditioning sides of it as well, mm-hmm. and that's where his experience lay there. But also, he used to fight when he was younger. He did okay. boxing, MMA. Um, so he's been involved with boxing for a long time. But he just never thought to take somebody professional. So, you know, he was like, right, I think you're determined and you're going to stick it out. So let's do it. Nice. It's, nice. it's turned out well so far. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you, uh, you fought for your first uh, world title, uh, I believe, in your sixth fight. That was for the WBC Silver Female Middle title? Uh, yeah. So my sixth fight, that was WBC Silver, yeah. yeah. So that was such an exciting night for me. It was like my first proper title um and it was at home in scotland in front of my family and friends um and you know it was meant to be for the one fifth uh, the junior middleweight it was going to be for 154 title but right. then like before it like two weeks out like there's a change of opponent because there's a problem with the girl that was meant to be fighting then it has to get changed to the 160 and i'm thinking I just want to get in there, you know, <laughs> I, just want to fight. I don't care who it is. But my coach always says, like, that is definitely the reason he's, he's lost all his hair. You know, that was a very stressful yeah. lead up to that fight. Um, but it was an amazing night against Sana Turinen, a uh, Finnish girl. And um, I remember it really clearly. Uh, just one of those nights we, I'll never forget. Never. Definitely, definitely. One, one, one of the biggest accolades so far in the career at that point in time, right? So Yeah, buzzing. Um, what uh, do you have any short plans, uh, like any short term goals that uh, you're trying to accomplish at the moment? Uh, yeah, so obviously in boxing, uh, I've got my first defense of my world titles coming up. Uh, so, very short term goal is to have my arm raised in here and still. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. a short term goal. What's the, date? What's the date for that? Um, so it's not been announced yet, so I can't tell you, unfortunately, yeah. as I would love to. Um, but yeah, it's coming up soon. It should be announced, hopefully, for April sometime. Um, and then everybody's going to get a chance to tune in on Fight Zone and watch it. So yeah, I'm, I'm buzzing. I'll be headlining the show as well. Um, yes. So I'm very excited. And I think that's a big step forward with women's boxing. We're now seeing more women headlining shows, which is just a, a real positive. So that's good. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll be headlining um, our Sunday show, Knockout of the Week. Yeah. <laughs> so we're expecting you to headline that pretty soon, too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um, so, uh, Cedric. I'm training just thinking, camp, what, training um, camp questions. I, I know you're so good about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You as far as what, now, what... what, what um, what do you feel? What do you feel is your your um, your your strongest weapon now that uh, that you've been learning on the job? Of course, like you said in your first fight, you know you can't even remember it because everything was just a burn. That's how it is for everyone, and that's the other thing too. You know that just shows uh, um, the heart that you have because it's one thing to have to start as an amateur. I know how you know everyone is as their first amateur amateur match. You know you had your first professional match as your first you know competition. Yeah. <laughs> that takes a, a lot of heart just to just to do that. So I got to commend you for that. Um, now, where do you feel is your what do you, what do you feel is your strength? Like as far as your you know your hardest punch, or where do you feel that you you excel at in your uh, in your skill level? 
I think uh, probably mentally I'm in incredibly strong. Uh, I have a very strong team around me and one that I've built up from the very bottom and people that have been with me all the way through my career. So I have great support there. Um, and I, I am kind of the most competitive with myself. I just will not be beat. <laughs> like, you know, it's like one of those things. And um, I will always push myself like harder, faster, more than anybody else. And I will not be outworked. And I think that's something that is probably one of my main strengths uh, when it comes to preparing for fights because I will always push myself that extra bit so that I know when I get in the ring, I couldn't have done any more in my training for it. So that, that's probably my main strength. What's a, yeah, what about, um, and as far as sparring partners, where exactly are you, are, do you hold most of your training camps and how do you, you know, how do you, how do you regulate that? And, you know, as far as um, sparring partners, do you have to travel around or? Well, I think that's really changed. So when I first started out, I traveled a lot for sparring. I was over in Europe a lot. I was in Sweden, Germany. Um, I just used a lot of my own personal savings to get myself experience because there, at that time, there wasn't that many female fighters in the UK. Um, mm. We still haven't got that many at the moment, but it is rising. Um, yes. And so I, I chose to, you know, use money to travel that's why i wanted to travel get the experience of sparring um and obviously had great experience in america as well like i, I love being in america and like i have mm. some great friends over there and mm. also some i've sparred with some brilliant people over there too so yeah i think traveling for sparring is good here now in in london there's quite a lot of girls available around my weight it started to grow you know um especially with people turning over from team gb um, you know, we now have quite a few Olympians that have come into the professional ranks, which is brilliant because it just means the sport feels like it has the opportunity to do that. Um, so now I base most of my sparring here in London in my camp, unless I go abroad for it. Um, for my first world title shot, I went uh, had a good chunk of my camp in New York. So I based myself out of Gleason's. I worked with Alicia Napoleon out there, um, Kaylee Reese. So yeah, it was um, a good sparring session there. Over here in the UK, I have a whole mixture of people that I work with, Chantel Cameron, Sandy Ryan. Um, nice, nice. Yeah, and some of the top amateur girls as well. They're just brilliant. Uh, it's brilliant to work with them, especially if you go to Team DB, you'll get, you get somebody for like course, three rounds. Course. Then yeah. they'll jump out and they'll give you someone fresh for three rounds. And as you see, as you, as you get better with the more experience and, you know, um, you're getting more of a name for yourself. It's getting a little bit easier to find those sparring martyrs because people actually want to spar with you because they Absolutely. know you have the experience, right? So anytime yeah. that you're in the name. Yeah, exactly. We're in Canada, which is right near the Michigan border. So if you you could always come here, you have a gym right here, you can come spar. I can see. Nice. Well, welcome here anytime. Obviously, I, I'd love to come to Canada at some point. Um, I've got a good friend there, Carolyn Redmond. She's a, a welterweight. Uh, so oh, yes, yes, yes. Very good boxer. I know her coach, yes. Steve Bailey. Very good coach, too. She, she's a yeah. great girl, and she spent some time here in London with me and my coach, and uh, we're really good friends. And when I fought in Detroit, she was actually there, and she came in the corner. Um, and she was actually, weirdly, a total lifesaver at one point because my hair, the braids came out at one point <laughs> for the fight, and they were, like, gone mental um, <laughs> i just couldn't see stuff and um my coach was like because he's had hair dramas before uh, but this time around Car carolyn was there and she was like i've got hair ties did my hair fixed nice. it all up you know um yeah, yeah. So yeah no she's great and of course there's a, a canadian boxer um mary eve de care 
she's got one of the IBF belt at uh, junior middleweight. So, of course, like, you know, I want to fight her at some point whenever we get a chance because uh, I'd love to unify the division. That's my goal. So, um, yeah, hopefully we'll be in Canada at some point. Yes, nice, yeah, hopefully. Nice, That'd nice. be excellent. Um, what do you believe is the greatest challenge that you faced in your career so far in boxing? I think when I fought Clarissa Shields, that was probably my biggest challenge um, uh, for fighting side of things. The other side of the of the coin is kind of like being a female fighter in a male-dominated environment. Um, definitely, but that is changing, which is good. Like, I really see that side to not be such an issue as it was before. It's things still to work on. Um, but when I fought Clarissa, it was the first sort of time that I've been on, like, matrim. Uh, USA, it was getting like we did live press conferences. I was flown to New York for like 48 hours for a press conference. Um, you know, it was the first time I'd really been thrown right into the, the public eye, yes. and uh, my first time having to answer loads of media questions, be in front of the camera all the time, um, and prep for the biggest fight of my life, really, um, yes. against a fantastic boxer who at the time we hated each other. Yes. <laughs> 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 it was it was dealing with that like all eyes are one thing you know um but now we're really good friends so uh, it's it's all good but um at the time yeah we were right at it <laughs> that's competition that's his competition right absolutely and it shows the respect that you guys have uh, have uh, you know for each other afterwards definitely uh what do you what do you think um needs to happen in the next few years to really make women's boxing take off what 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 are some of your suggestions so I think like we were very uh, ironically the pandemic was probably very, uh, one of the most positive things that could have happened for women's boxing uh, out of all the women's sports we're the ones that the one that seemed to have thrived coming out of the pandemic a lot of other ones are really struggling at the moment right. um, and that's because Eddie decided to put female fights on in his fight camp uh, in his garden um, and the best part was we had a captive audience for a change they were stuck in their houses they couldn't go anywhere and the only live sport was us yep. <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> so there was no excuses of oh it's a chick's fight I'm going to the bar oh it's the girls they're not interested and we're going to watch something else like there was nothing else for them to watch and Eddie was really clever he put on only top level female fights title fights uh, mine and Savannah's fight we, we got a um, dramatic fight of the year from the WBC so yeah. yes, you know yes. fantastic award and all of the girls fight none of them disappointed not a single one they were all action 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 from the first bell and I think giving the public that introduction to us uh, with no excuses for the fact they couldn't watch it was, was the best thing that could ever happen because now that like people are talking about women boxers as like a household names yeah and it's become people know who we are now and that's just great because, you know, you've got now young girls going, oh, I want to be like Katie Taylor. I want to be like Hannah Rankin or, you know, that sort of thing. And yeah. I think that's been a real step forward. And it's properly exciting to be at the very front of the wave whilst everything's changing. Um, yeah, as a fighter, I feel, I feel really privileged to be there. Um, for, the, for the future, yeah. Because 10 yeah. years ago, 10 years ago, the, you know, the, the girls coming out didn't really have, there was there was a lot of females on the scene, but there wasn't as much exposure. Um, no. So if, yeah. if that continues, that would be great. Um, the other thing that I think is the main issue is obviously the differentiation in pay. Um, and this is, for me, comes down to the fact that we don't, it's very easy for someone to argue not to pay us the same when we don't do the same number of rounds or the same length of rounds. Okay, so at the moment for a world title fight, it's still 10 twos for us. 
we still fight two minute rounds. Yeah. I mean, I know the WBA have done three minute rounds before, um, and I would I would love three minute rounds. It would really suit me. Um, but I do think we need some sort of differentiation between what you fight for a world title and say what you fight for Commonwealth, because you've got some girls stepping up to world title level because they can do ten rounds, but they're not really at world title level. Really? So. It means that they take, and also having only two minutes, I feel means that female fighters take a lot more punishment over a longer time. Whereas mm -hmm. if it was, because they might just get through the two minutes, have a minute to recover, <laughs> get beaten up again for two minutes. Whereas if we had the three minutes, that might only last for four rounds, then they get stopped. Mm -hmm. um, I know there's been a couple of times in fights for me where I just needed 10 seconds, 10 more seconds. 10 more seconds <laughs> just to finish it. That's it. Yeah. So oh, I think if that was to change, that would be great. Um, but I know there's some arguments about whether or not we can do three-minute rounds. Uh, the WBC has some studies out that says that we're, we sweat more, and so we, we're more likely to brain injuries, basically. Um, That's all nonsense. That's all, I've, I've, read, I've heard that. I heard that. I read that whole article out, and, and there's doctors that are proven that it's all nonsense. They're just trying to make excuses. Honestly, I, I believe the women should have three-minute rounds because, you know what? the way that the women are the women are showing up the men yeah. honestly you you ladies you ladies are really putting on a real show you guys are you, you don't back down there's no pussyfooting around there's yeah. no people it's you all want to fight you and it's okay let's fight and then you get in the ring and do it you know what it's entertaining as hell. And yeah, sometimes I believe that you guys need that extra minute just to finish the person sometimes and just in general just doing the full three minutes because when I when I, I was saying before when i train females i train them three minutes i don't train them just for two minutes like it's you know you're you're, you're working just as hard as the as the men and, and two so yeah absolutely and i think if you're going to try and change the system if they want to do something in between that maybe at least make um world title fights 12 twos Right. So that means that, that you know there's some sort of differentiation differentiation because at the moment you have the elite level, yep. you have people at the very bottom, and the people in the middle is much much thinner. There's a lot less people in there, and the depth in women's boxing is never going to grow if we don't have the ability to push out a little bit more um, and have more time to showcase things. So you know twelve twos. 10 threes, you know, something like that would be great. And I know a lot of female fighters would much prefer threes. Um, yes. But you were one of them. I know Clarissa Shields, one of them. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Katie Taylor, Savannah. I'm pretty sure all you elite level women yeah. right now have all agreed to three minutes. And honestly, I think they should give it to you, man. Yeah, That's I know. I, I think, like, as myself as a world champion, I, I try to push for these things. I think once you're in that position as a world champ, it's, it's your chance to really ask for these things and push for them because you're in a position where you've got the title, you've got the belt. So try and make a difference, try and change it. So that's something that I'm working on at the moment and hoping at some point in my career it will change and I will get that chance. Because so. you're a champion, people, your voice will be heard a little bit more because you have yeah. not one, but two belts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, a question off topic here, bassoonist. You are, you are a bassoonist. Oh, yes, yes. Thanks for reminding me, Mike. Yeah, we, we I need to know about this. this. I didn't even know what a bassoonist was. And then I find out you're basically a professional at this. So please, I need to know the beginning of the bassoonist. Uh, uh, um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, we we got to hear it. We got to hear it. 
Okay, so um, I come from, uh, my family, we were quite musical. Me and my sisters, we all played musical instruments growing up. I started on the flute. In fact, I started on piano, but I gave up piano because I thought it was cooler to kick people in taekwondo. So I was like, I'm going to do that instead. Um, <laughs> but then I came back to play the flute. Um, I got up to my grade eight. Um, and then an old lady donated a bassoon to my school. Now, a bassoon is like a, a big woodwind instrument. It's usually a beautiful brown color, lots of silver keys and a silver bit that comes out here. It's a woodwind instrument, so you blow down it, I play the bass part, that's the bass line. It's also one of the weirdest looking instruments you've ever seen. Um, <laughs> and I, I was like, I wanna play that, because it's different from everybody else's instrument. So yeah, I, I started that late as well. That, that was when I was about 15. I picked that up and I was like, this is the instrument for me. I just knew it. And um, from then on, I worked, um, I got into the Junior Academy in the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland. And then I went on to study my undergraduate degree at the Royal Conservatoire and my master's at the Royal Academy of Music. Uh, so I've played all around the world with orchestras, um, play with professional orchestras. I have a wind quintet. We still play together at the moment. Our main sort of work now is we work with a charity that goes into the care homes uh, for people who are living with Alzheimer's and dementia. And we do interactive concerts for them. Uh, so it's a, a really rewarding part of my job. And uh, also playing like playing concerts for kids as well, especially interactive ones, because kids will ask you the most ridiculous things. Yes. And they, will, they will tell you if they don't like the piece. They'll just say, I don't like this. <laughs> they'll give you their honest opinion. They're not like, they'll just give you their honest opinion. I love it. <laughs> it's brilliant. So um, um, when you're one second, one second. I need, I need we're not looking off this real. I need that. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Um, explain the difference in, uh, preparing for a, a big bassoonist concert <laughs> and uh, preparing for a world championship boxing match. What are the similarities and differences there? I'll tell you a funny story, right? So when I start, so when I was back in doing my master's um, and my undergraduate, I used to actually suffer quite badly from performance anxiety, which is kind of tricky when you're wanting to perform in front of people. Um, so it was, it was a real stress for me. I couldn't, I used to like, my breathing used to go bad, my heart rate went a million miles an hour, I couldn't hear, real nerves, you know, And um, but it was only for solo performing, not for an, an orchestra or anything like that. So, you know, I went to hypnotherapy, I tried a few different things, um, but when I moved down to London, uh, my, when I had my final recital at college, I ran it like a boxing match. My coach came in with me. Um, he stood outside the room before I walked on stage. We did our breathing together. Uh, I had water. He was like, right, you're cool. Let's go. First round. I went out. I did my first piece. And I, like, I came back again nice. and was breathing. And you know what? I performed the best I've ever performed. And mm. it was that sort of structure and the way that you know, you have, you know, you've coaches in the corner, you get back there, you get some advice, you control your breathing, clear your mind, uh, get ready to go again and refocus. And it actually was one of my best performances. Um, so there are lots of similarities for me because it, it is all about performing, whether I'm on stage or with my bassoon in front of a nice, well-behaved audience who are going to clap nicely when they should, or, or in front of like a boxing audience, and I'm facing my opponent, we're going to go at it as soon as the bell goes, but I'm going to perform under the lights. And I realized that actually I'm an entertainer and I, I love to entertain people, you know, so I always hope that people are entertained to watch me box as much as they're entertained to watch me perform in concerts and things like that. So for me, they're very similar. 
honestly, I, I love watching you box. I, I, I guess I got I gotta watch you play the horn then, right? If, gonna <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. if you if if you're such an entertainer, I'm gonna have to check it out. It's yeah. I'm not sure how, how much like if you I don't know, this would be maybe too much, but if you could have like uh one of those things that like something like uh, um if you sit on something and, and it brings you to the ring so you can play the bassoon as you know, because you need your hands. Can you play the bassoon with your boxing gloves on? Yeah, so many people try to think of a way of how I'm going to achieve this, but I'm like, guys, the gloves make it impossible. I need to be able to play fingering and keys and stuff. If I'm like this, I, can't, I just can't. Oh my yeah, God. Right, that's right. amazing. That's, that's, that's amazing, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> coming out playing the bassoon to the ring to your world championship match would be amazing. I mean, Tyson Fury came out as a king. Why can't you come out playing the bassoon? Why not? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, Dream fight. Dream fight today. If you could fight anybody right now, who would it be? Oh, okay. So there are some really cool female fighters that are all like I love. Um, But I would love it if Holly Holm. And if I was anywhere near her weight and and stuff, I would love to fight Holly Holm because she was cool. She still is cool. She's an absolute badass female. I really, really like her. Um, Riker, I'd like to have fought Riker. That would have been cool. Um, I would love to say I'd, you know, I could share a ring with like Anne Wolf. She's probably the scariest wow. woman in women, like in women's yes. box ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's a serious badass lady. Um, <laughs> so to even have said that I shared the ring with her would be amazing. Like she, she's still scary now. <laughs> so. Yeah, there's some yeah. great people out there. Uh, when uh, when you're ready to hang it up and retire, um, what are the plans and what do you want to be remembered about, like remembered for in your career? So, um, like I always say to people, I never put a date on when I want to retire because right. I think people who do that are subconsciously working towards that date, whether right. or not they, they say they are or they're not. Uh, and it means you're never really going to push yourself to the max. If you're thinking, okay, I'm winding it down, I'm not about that. So for me, there's no date. But when I do retire, which will inevitably have to happen at some point, <laughs> it can't happen. It can't go on forever. Um, I've started doing some work with uh, Fight Zone at the moment for commentary, um, which I really, really, really enjoy. Actually, um, I've had the the sort of. I was very lucky to be asked by uh, Box Nation to do the commentary for Clarissa and uh, Clarissa and Christina Hamer's fight, mm-hmm. um, which I really enjoyed actually. Um, and so it's an area that I never thought I'd work in, but something that basically allows to me to be a total boxing geek. <laughs> Research fighters, watch their fight style, then talk about it on the night and just get really excited and try not to swear when I get really excited. <laughs> uh, so that's definitely something I want to do. At the moment, I'm doing uh, quite a bit of ambassadorial work for a charity called Boxwise. Um, I'm due to go out to South Africa to set up their South Africa branch uh, after my next fight. So that'll happen this year. Um, I'm a big believer in getting young people empowered through the sport of boxing, get helping them to learn discipline, um, and just also give them some routine and structure and giving them pathways into future employment and options like that. So that's a, an area that I hope to be involved in when I retire, because for me, I'm quite passionate about it. So fingers crossed, I will be doing a fair bit of that. Um, and how I'd like to be remembered, uh, someone who gave everything a go. I took every challenge full on and didn't take no for an answer. 
you, you want to be loved or do you want to be feared in your career? Well, I'd like to be loved, actually. Uh, I think that'd be nice. Um, I'm not worried <laughs> about being feared because I do myself when I get in the ring, you know? Um, it is what it is. And I think sometimes fighters try to be a person that they're not. And uh, often, eventually, when you get to the high levels, you get found out. Um, yeah. And boxing is a huge mental game. So if in the lead up to a fight, you're starting to, your story starts to unravel and you're not the person that you've made out you are for your first few fights. You're not this like badass gangster guy. Um, <laughs> like, and suddenly you're standing in front of a gangster. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna get found out. So you're gonna get G-checked right there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd like to be loved by people um, and then I'll do all my uh, fighting in the ring. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you, do you uh, do you do any like um, training with kids now in your in your spare time? Do you have time for that? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, like I said, obviously with the music side of things, I like to give concerts, and they always keep me on my toes there because no matter how much stuff you prepare for a kids' concert, it's never enough. <laughs> it's never <laughs> enough, and you've got to get more stuff going. Um, with the box wise thing, I'm yeah getting a chance to go and watch these guys at various ages and levels progress through the program. Um, and I, I do like to teach kids when I get a chance, you know, like when I get a chance to cover a kid's class or something like that, you know, because for me, I'm a massive kid. So I just get to hang out with other kids and do fun things, you know. So, yeah, it's good. Uh, I want to ask you, how did you get the alias Hannah the Banger? I have no idea where this has come from. <laughs> so, <laughs> I heard I heard about this. It was on a WBA article and I was like. I, I don't know when this happened. When did this nickname appear? So I, I've not heard it before, um, I, but I was called the Classical Warrior. That was a nickname that was given to me by a friend uh, right when I started at the very beginning, and it kind of stuck for a while. But I think that this one, I'll take it. Why not? Yeah, yeah, it works. It works. Definitely. Yeah. I've also been called the Mule. The Mule is another one. <laughs> yeah. The mule. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's another good one. That was an American friend. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, I don't want to keep you too much longer. I know it's late over there. I know you have training to do. You got camp starting soon. So I want to thank you personally for coming out and joining us here on the show today and uh, giving the fans what they want. And it's a look into the life of you and what you're doing for women's boxing. And I honestly, I commend you on your efforts to push it into the next level where it needs to be. Thank you. And yes, I would love to have you back on the show, maybe before your next fight or after your next fight, so we can uh, definitely talk about how you're still world champion. Knockout of the week. Knockout of the yeah, week. Yeah, knockout of the week. you got to come <laughs> back for that knockout of the week award. So Absolutely. Well, as soon as I, I as soon as I announce things and stuff, uh, let me know, guys. I'm happy to come yeah. and talk about things. Um, but yeah, no, I'm really, really happy to have joined you today. It's been great chatting to you. Nice, yeah. easy conversation for me. You know, yes. no yeah, stress definitely. at all. <laughs> it was really cool. I love it. Great questions. Now, now we know what a bassoonist is. Yes, yes. There you go, Cedric. Thank you. There you go. Thank that you. was just for you, brother. Thank um, you. Thank you. Yes. So to all the fans watching around the world, thanks for tuning in to this wonderful episode of Knuckle Up. Live with Hannah Rankin, current world champion, about to uh, defend them, and we'll we'll let you know exactly when that's going to happen. Yeah. So, guys, we'll see you tomorrow. Tune in next time, same time, same channel. New prospect. Thank you again, Hannah. It's been a no pleasure. Problem. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> All right. Have a good day.